0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, Warning you right now, (laughs) why I am recording this in the middle of some crazy thunderstorms here in Austin. So I sounded like I got a little bit of a reprieve, so I hopped on, but you may hear some thunder in the background. Just just real life for (laughs) y'all. Um, before we get into today's episode, which I'm really excited about, I want to celebrate one of my clients inside of my group coaching program who just landed their dream LD role. Um, while they're still getting logistics taken care of, I'm not going to mention any names at this point, but I am so proud of her. You know, she came into this experience really, you know, open-minded, but. It, knowing that she wanted to be in a role and in an instructional design role, um, but didn't have much clarity after that. And so, you know, she had been looking at and and interviewing with this is before we started working together uh, at roles that were way junior for her um, but she didn't really realize it until we did all of our work together and so now she is accepting an incredible role at an incredible organization making the money she has dreamed about and that's the thing I love about well one of the things I love about my group coaching program is that it's not just about finding you any role you know there are so many you could do that on your own really there's so many there's so many what sort of looking for resources out there to find a job, any job, a quick fix right there. There really are. But to actually find the right role at the right company, to be so aligned, to understand your skill set, the values you bring to the table and what that value is worth. It's it's unlike anything else. And once you can step into that, like this client did, It's really amazing what happens and how quickly. So I think she just finished her resume maybe four weeks ago. And from that point, it was very intentional about where she applied only applying to a handful of roles that fit into her specific niche and exactly what she was looking for. If it didn't hit the mark, you weren't applying. Uh, had you know three of those reach out to her, a total of six interviews and one job offer. So it just really goes to show that when you get really clear on what it is you're looking for, and next week's episode is going to dive into this even more. And then you have that support backing you, right? It's not just about clarity, but it's also about that support and that direction. Things can happen really fast. And I know a lot of you, especially my educator listeners, my educator friends out there, I know for some of you, you might be panicking, uh, thinking, hey, you know, I wanted to be, I want to be in a new role by the end of the school year. Just know it's possible. It's possible. You know, like I said, this person finished their resume about a month ago and now has an offer in hand. So you absolutely have time to land your dream role and not just any role, your dream role. So I invite you to join me inside the Overnight Trainer Group Coaching Program. Y'all heard me talk about it before. I have a whole episode dedicated to to it. And y'all know too, if you have any questions about it, please, please, please feel free to DM me on LinkedIn. Uh, We can set up a quick 15-minute call to chat. I'm here. I'm here to answer those questions for you. So, speaking of answering questions, uh, this past weekend, again, it was super rainy here in Austin. Um, I did an AMA and Ask me anything around anything, really um, around transitioning into LD for the first time, being new to LD, um, LD programming and strategy, starting an LD side hustle business. Really, I opened it up for anyone to ask me any questions. It was rainy. We had actually ended up having two sick puppies. Um, and just kind of hung around all day and answered some questions. So there were a couple that came in that I wanted to elaborate more, but of course, LinkedIn gives me a character account. That's the beauty of having your own podcast is that you could just talk forever and ever. Um, So I want to, there's a couple questions that came in. I'm not going to go through all of them. I think they had like almost 60 comments. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, about 60 comments on there. But there's a couple questions I wanted to elaborate on in today's episode. This question that came in from Lanidra. Hey Lanidra, I know you're listening. <laughs> so Lanidra asked a really incredible question that I don't think gets asked enough, and so I really wanna dive into it. So she asks, when trying to transition into LD, particularly ID, should I be niching down to the specifics of what types of problems I wanna help organizations solve, i.e. improving company culture, onboarding new employees, Or is it okay to just demonstrate my abilities to create quality training and e-learning to show diversity for helping solve various types of problems? And then she asked if the question made sense, which it absolutely did. So here's my thought on this, and I wrote wrote her back, but it really is 1,000% up to you. And the reason why i say that is because if you know that you will find joy in spending your time focusing on one organizational challenge or topic then i highly suggest thinking about niching down into that so for example company culture onboarding new employees there are full-on roles that exist even in the ID space. Now they might not be called instructional designer, and that's why my coaching clients know I never encourage people to search for roles based on title, All right? Talk about that inside my group coaching program. but. There are roles where you'll be doing content development, content design, content creation, content curation, you know, e-learning, all of that stuff for a very specific problem. So it could be a company culture initiative, so inside of employee experience maybe, or it could be inside of an onboarding program. I have so many clients that go into the onboarding side of thing, and their sole job is to design and develop content around that subject. So that totally exists out there. So Whenever I'm working with people or even giving advice around this, you know, one thing I really make sure to emphasize is that this is about you and what you want, All right. So if you, it's almost like if you can imagine it, it exists. Like that's the beauty of the industry of learning and development is that because it's not, so black and white, right? Where so sometimes that can be frustrating. Where it's like, I wish all the instructional design job descriptions said the same thing, right? But we know that they we know that they don't. But because it is like that, what it does do is it it creates endless opportunities for you to focus on what you really want to focus on. So if you want to focus on onboarding or leadership development or uh, company culture, right? So if there's if, if there's a piece of that that's really important to you and that's what you really want to focus on, amazing. Then niche down to that. The roles exist out there. You know, so getting really clear on that. Now on the flip side, if you really love tackling all types of organizational issues, that you want to have your hand in all the pots. You want to be focused on any type of learning experiences, right? So company culture and onboarding and sales and customer service, right? And product training, right? I mean, the list can go on and on and on. That exists out there for you too. So it really just goes back to what do you want? And so many people make the decision about their careers or where they should upskill or all of those things based on what they think they can get, not on what they think they want. I'm going to say that again. A lot of people choose a career based on what they think they can get, not on what they think, not on what they want, right? So getting really clear on what it is that you want. And so going back to Lanijo's really incredible question of do I niche all the way down to specifics of the types of problems I wanna help with, or do you demonstrate creative creative training and e-learning and diversify the type of uh, problems that you can solve in an organization? It's totally up to you. But again, don't choose one or the other because you think it's going to be the easiest path or the path of, of least resistance. Choose what you want to do. Choosing what you want to do is the path path of least resistance. That's, that is the truth. Like, I can end the episode here, right? So, Lydia, thank you for this amazing question because I think it opens up an even bigger topic of... Making sure that we follow our passion and what we want to focus on. And if you want to focus on something specific, that role exists for you out there. If you want to to be a more generalist when it comes to the types of programming that you create, that exists for you out there. You have to be the one to decide what it is that you actually want. So thank you so much, Lenidra, for this incredible question. All right, so our next question comes from Jen, who wanted a picture of my puppy, so I sent that as well, um, but said that she recently made it to the final round of a long interview process, five interviews and a small project, but ultimately did not get the job. Any advice on how to really stand out in the interview process? So I really, really love this question. And the first question I did ask back to Jen, something for you all to consider is, making sure that you ask for feedback on why you don't get the roles, especially when you make it to the end and to the final. It You should, and you don't get it, you should be asking for feedback on why. Now, without me knowing too many specifics about Jen's particular case, um, I have a pretty strong guess as to what happened there. And my guess is that, Jen didn't get this role, not because she didn't stand out, but because they went with someone that has different skills. And I use the word different intentionally because we all can't have every single skill. And so while, of course, there are ways to stand out before, during and after interviews, the reality is and I teach all that, by the way, inside of my group coaching program. So we we do focus on that. I do want to give you the skills to stand out, but the reality is that Jen made it to the end. You already stood out there. You already stood out. And if you made it that far, there probably wasn't anything else you could have done to stand out, right? So if you think about it, you make it to the end. You go through several interviews. You do a project. You're there at the end and it's you and probably one other person, maybe maybe three total, including you for that role. They obviously liked you and thought you were qualified for the role. They just ultimately went with something different. And again, we don't ever know what that different thing is. And here's a big reality check. People hiring don't even know what that different thing is until they're interviewing three people, three different people. And they're able to say, oh, wow. Here's here are three people who have two, three totally different skill sets, right? Or three totally different whatever it may be. Now that they're all in these options are in front of me, now I know which one is best for me. It's not kind of like you think about it like when you're hungry, right? And you're given a menu and there's three really great options, but you're just really in the mood for fajitas. Like, and, and so that's what you go for on the menu. Oh, wow. It wasn't until fajitas were in front of me that I thought, or I smelled the fajitas going by. Y'all know I, I just love fajitas, by the way. Um, but, you know, until I smelled it going by or saw it on the menu, right? You might go into a restaurant not knowing what you want, or maybe thinking you know what you want. And then you read the menu, or something walks by, and it's different. It doesn't make the tacos any better or worse, right? You just chose the fajitas. And so, in that case, you are the fajitas or you're the tacos (laughs) rather, right? So they were just in the mood for fajitas. They didn't know they needed fajitas until they saw fajitas. And so really think about it that like you are the tacos, you are the delicious tacos on the menu and someone's gonna choose you. (laughs) You guys are probably thinking I'm like nutso right now. Uh, But all joking aside, it's keeping in mind that we all have different and unique skill set. And the reality is when you land your dream role it's going to be because you have something different that the other people didn't have and you can never prepare for that so i want to that, that's might make some of you feel so much better and some of you feel worse but you can't prepare for that so going into these interviews knowing what your value is what your skill sets are you know how you're in alignment with the organization you know translating your skills all of those things are incredibly important because they're going to showcase who you are and what you can do. The rest is is left up to to the universe essentially, right? Because again, they may not know what they need until it's right there in front of them. They may not know what they want until it's right there in front of them. And that's human nature. Again, let's go back to the restaurant example. You might think you're going in for one thing and you see something something else on the menu. You're like, wow, you know what? That's actually what I really, really want. I didn't know it until I saw it. And that's gonna happen to you, Jen, and everyone else listening. Right. You're going to be given a role. You're going to be selected for a role because you are going to be the thing that they probably didn't even know they need until they met you. Right. You're going to fill that gap for them. So I love that question, Jen, sending you all the best luck, because I know I know on the other side of that, right, of like, oh, how frustrating it can be of. You know, going through that whole interview and not being selected, but just know that it's not because you didn't stand out. It's not because you aren't qualified. It's because they went with someone that had a different skill set, and that's okay. That's totally fine. All right, going next to the next question from Kaniqua. Uh, hey, girl. Uh, let's see. Today I'm googling resume optimization and ATS. I just opened the podcast app on my phone to see if you had any podcast content about resumes. First thing I saw on LinkedIn was your AMA post. So I'm so glad you're here. All right. So I actually, I cover this in a couple other episodes. So I'm not going to go so far deep into this one. However, I want to reiterate, just in case you are new to the podcast or haven't listened to these episodes, that you need to create your resume not for an ATS. And an ATS is an applicant tracking system. And While the majority of organizations use ATSs, applicant tracking systems, to collect resumes, only a small, a fraction, a tiny percent use the artificial intelligence piece of it to scan and auto-reject. So you never want to optimize your resume for a machine. You want to create your resume and optimize your resume with a human in mind because that is who's going to be seeing it. I have two podcast episodes that I recommend. I, obviously, I think if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you like podcasts. Um, but the first one is why marketing is not the problem with your job search. And that is podcast episode number, oh, do I even know what number it is? That's funny, doesn't tell me. <laughs> All right. I don't it is off the top of my head here, but it came out um, in October, October twelfth of twenty twenty one. So why marketing is not the problem with your job search, and the other one is hiring from the lens of a recruiter with Ashlyn McIntosh, who is one of the best recruiters I know. And that one came out in September of twenty twenty one. So they were actually right, right by each other, and in both those episodes, we talk about well, the one with Ashlyn, we we talk about that how you need to optimize your resume with a recruiter in mind, with a hiring manager in mind. So that's where speaking the language is incredibly important. So it is not about copying and pasting a job description and updating your resume every single time to match the job description. Y'all know who've been listening to me for a while. I do not play that game because that game doesn't work. It doesn't work. Will it get you a job? Sure. Will it get you the right job? Probably not. I'm on I'm on the soapbox. and coming off. <laughs> I will come off off this, I promise. But Keeping that in mind. So that's the one with with Ashlyn. The one where I have where marketing is not the problem with your job search, the one that came out in October, is a lot of people think that it's your resume that's not getting you the roles, but has nothing to do with your resume, has to do with the fact that you're not clear on what it is that you want out of your next role. Next week's episode is gonna focus a lot on clarity. I have a new program coming out around getting clear um, and getting confident at the same time. So you'll hear more about that. But I love this question. It's a really wonderful question and thank you so much for asking it. All right, so let's move on to the next question. All right, so this question came from Catherine. And she asked me first, I got two questions, um, what am I reading these days? And then also, have I ever had to convince a company that they need an L&D person any recommendations on what type of evidence I should use to convince them? Awesome. So I love this question. Uh, so I, t- and I answered, I'm, t- I typically always read around two to four books at any given time, um most i don't know why i do that <laughs> i was gonna give you a reason but i actually don't know why um so right now i'm reading um several books the one is the listening path by julia cameron so if you've read the artist's way before it's her second book it's her second book it's another book of hers um, that actually more recently came out and it's about listening and listening to yourself and listening to the world and nature and people and all of that i'm really loving it it's actually a six-week course through a book Um, I'm reading the book Content Inc. So all around creating a content first business. And then a new book I just picked up and started reading the first couple of pages, which is Love Plus Work. Uh, And then I always have a copy of Designing for Modern Learning with me. Uh, I think many of you know that uh, not only am I obsessed with learning cluster design, uh, I also do some consulting work for them too and some facilitation. So that book changed my perspective on learning when I was still a director of learning And really helped me just kind of help give me me some more solid language to work with the business. So I say that because (laughs) going back to Catherine's question around convincing a company they need to have an L&D person, I've had to convince many organizations that they need not only L&D in general, but on top of that headcount inside of L&D. And it really starts with understanding the business pains. So if I can look at the business pains, which is what we teach inside of the learning cluster design model, right? If I can look at the business pains and then tie that solution, whatever solution to that business pain, to a learning initiative, and then I can break down how that initiative will impact the business and what the LD person or people will be doing. So when you do that, you can much more easily prove the ROI of an LD professional to the business. You have to learn to speak their language. It's very similar to what I talk about with people who are looking to transition into LD. Right. You need to learn to speak the language of l But once you're in l right, and then the, the flip kind of the flip, the script kind of flips a little bit where now you've learned l language. We're going to we're going to add to that foundation with language, business language. Right. Speaking the language of business and having that business acumen. So just keeping that in mind. For those of you who are transitioning in, moving up, right, being able to speak the language of business is really, really, really important. And when you can prove ROI through tying it back, right, backwards engineering into it of here's the organizational problem, here's the learning solution that can solve that problem in order to facilitate that learning solution, create it, whatever it may be, this is what we're going to need people to do. This is what it's going to cost. And then here's what the return on the investment is going to be when we do that. You have to be able to create a business case to sell the business on why we need learning and development. So Catherine, that's a really great question, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Another question came in from Erin, which I really liked, and she said, very basic resume question. I'm doing a couple of small pro bono consulting projects for local businesses to provide to build my portfolio and get experience. But since I'm not getting paid, can I still list that as contract work? Or would you classify it another way? Absolutely, I would classify that as contract work. Here's the thing, y'all. Just because you're not getting paid monetarily doesn't mean you're not getting something out of it. Right, I think a lot of times we think like, experience has to be paid experience. Like, what the hell is that, right? Like what experience is experience so you're getting paid right in you are you're giving up energy you're getting paid back in experience so just keep that in mind too so absolutely those things can be contract work i've had a lot of clients who have taken you know a lot of their more like freelancing and pro bono work and contract stuff and really tie it together beautifully on their resume it's something we work on together inside of the coaching program but it really is important to remember. Nothing is free, right? You're not doing this for free. You're you're exchanging energy for experience, right? You're exchanging time. It's not free. You are giving time and you are getting something back in return. And so really keeping that in mind as well. All right. So I'm going to answer one more question. And this question comes... Actually, I'm going to answer two more questions. Uh, The first one is from, I think it's Anne or Annie, A-N-E, I love your question. I, your name's beautiful. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, But she asked, are there any particular courses you'd recommend to transition into L&D? Well, y'all know that I have an entire podcast episode, We'll probably I dedicate a lot of podcast episodes to this, but I have a podcast episode dedicated to should you get a certification or do you need a certification? So, I want to address this more in regards to like the courses to transition into L&D. And I looked at this at the, at this person's profile and they're an educator and have a lot of great skills to transition. But like I just mentioned before, what most educators, and I'd say anyone looking to transition into L&D in all honesty, but what most educators do need help with is translating the incredible skills that y'all have into corporate L&D language and understanding how your experience as an educator aligns with L&D. So that's, it. it's not so much you need to learn about the the actual skills themselves. And I was thinking about this so much during the weekend. And I started writing a, I don't know if it's going to be a blog post or a podcast episode or a LinkedIn posts, I don't know yet, but I'll I'll give you the preview here of like, I think so many people when they transition into L&D think they need to just learn all of these things and upskill in so many areas without spending the time to really recognize what their transferable skills already are and then identify the gaps. People just jump right on into, you know, academies and workshops and courses and all of these things without really figuring out what is it that I actually want to do? And then what skills do I already have? So I really encourage you all, if you're thinking about transitioning into learning and development before taking a course on a a hard skill, right, on upskilling, really get clear on figuring out what what type of role do you want to have and what skill set do you already have? So rather than and what I'm trying to what I'm trying to save you from is I have many clients who come and work with me after they've already been through a zillion other programs a zillion academies a zillion workshops and you know Coursera this and Udemy that and LinkedIn learning this right and what happens is, is they've they've collected this some knowledge but a lot of it is stuff they've they already knew they're just learning a new language around it and so rather than spending all that time essentially upskilling just to learn that what you've been doing this whole time is just called one thing over another. That's something I teach inside of my program to help you kind of jump over those steps. And so whether you're in my program or not, it's important to figure out what is it that you what are the skills you already have? So when you do that, right, then it becomes much easier, much cheaper, much more time efficient. Right, to fill in the gaps versus doing something really broad. So, there's nothing I recommend transitioning into LD until you figure out what it is in LD you actually want to do. And so, inside my group coaching program, that's the first part of it is figuring out what the hell you want to do in LD. And from there, I will say this 99% of the time, My clients don't have anything to upskill in because they actually realize, oh, shit, I already know all this stuff, (laughs) right? Pardon my French, but it's true. Versus I have people that come in, again, who've already taken all these courses. and They're like, I didn't learn anything new. I just learned that this X was called Y. So again, keeping that in mind, that until you're clear on what it is that you actually want to do in L&D, you shouldn't be investing in courses that are about hard skills so really think about that. And then here's the great thing is that once you know what it is, and then you're able to really clearly identify, let's say there's, you know, 10 things that you need that you need to be successful in that role and you have 8 of them, well now you only have to invest in figuring out two of them, right? Versus a course is going to teach you two those two things plus the eight things you already know. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I can clarify it uh, clarify it more if you all have any more questions around it, but again, it's all about getting clarity on what it is that you actually want to do and then figuring out what skill set you already have. And sometimes those those are flipped. A lot of times you're identifying what are the skill sets you have and that you want to utilize. What does that look like in a L&D role? And then from there, backwards engineering into, okay, great, here's where the gap is. So you want to mine the gap. You want to fill the gap, not relearn what you've already learned. We don't have time for that, people. We don't have time for that. We are out here job transitioning. All right, last question I'm going to cover that I wanted to dive deeper in. And this came from Mary, and I love this question, Mary, and I so appreciate this question, Mary. She said, at 51, what is the best approach for breaking into learning and development? So here's the thing. I have clients who are in their 20s. I have clients who are well into their 60s, and I have clients every age in between. And I encourage them to all transition into LD the same way, which is getting crystal clear on the skills that you have and what to use and which ones you want to use in your next role, as well as getting clear on the type of company and manager you want to work for. And here's the thing: I'll be super honest. Ageism is alive and well, right? Ageism exists. I have seen it firsthand with my own clients. I, I totally understand that. But here is also the thing with age comes a lot of life and professional experience. So it's about translating that wealth of knowledge, that wealth of experience that you have into the language of L&D. We're talking about this a lot today and sell your expertise in a way that makes you stand out, that makes that differentiates you, right, regardless of age. And again, it's thinking about. The type of company that you want to be in, well, you want to be in one that embraces, you know, and is inclusive of age. And so getting really clear on what, what that actually looks like, right? Because it's, you know, it's one thing for someone to say something, but what does that look like in the organization for you? So I understand ageism is alive and well. I have seen it firsthand with my clients. And I've also seen my clients, especially the ones that are in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, right land epic freaking roles at companies that are so stoked to have them and their wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience. So don't let your age prevent you from moving forward and from transitioning into careers. Um, yeah, just don't let don't let that happen. and I'm here to support you in that. again, we have people from all all ages inside of the group coaching program. And my one-on-one clients too, it spans from, from every age. So I'm here here to support any and every age as you transition. All right, y'all. That was a lot of information in a short period of time, but those were just some of the questions that I wanted to dive a little bit deeper on because um, they're great questions and LinkedIn gives me a character limit and y'all know I like to talk. So <laughs> I hope that was helpful. I'm actually going to try to do an, an AMA I'm I'm shooting for once a month going forward, so once a month, maybe once every other month, um, and then I'll come on here and I'll I'll elaborate on some of them as well. So again, if you have any questions, keep an eye out for next month's AMA. Uh, feel free to DM me. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope it gave you kind of the answers you were looking for. I always appreciate when others ask questions. Right? It's not just one person who has that question. It's so many. So. Hopefully this was helpful. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools, as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn, at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at overnight trainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.